How does one describe Artemis Fowl? Various psychiatrists have tried and failed. The main problem is Artemis's own intelligence. He bamboozles every test thrown at him. He has puzzled the greatest medical minds and sent many of them gibbering to their own hospitals. There is no doubt that Artemis is a child prodigy. But why does someone of such brilliance dedicate himself to criminal activities? This is a question that can be answered by only one person, and he delights in not talking. Perhaps the best way to create an accurate picture of Artemis is to tell the by now famous account of his first villainous venture. I've put together this report from first-hand interviews with the victims, and as the tale unfolds, you will realize that this was not easy. The story began several years ago at the dawn of the 21st century. Artemis Fowl had devised a plan to restore his family's fortune, a plan that could topple civilizations and plunge the planet into a cross-species war. He was 12 years old at the time. Chapter 1. The Book Ho Chi Minh City in the summer, sweltering by anyone's standards. Needless to say, Artemis Fowl would not have been willing to put up with such discomfort if something extremely important had not been at stake. Important to the plan. Sun did not suit Artemis. He did not look well in it. Long hours indoors in front of the monitor had bleached the glow from his skin. He was white as a vampire and almost as testy in the light of day. I hope this isn't another wild goose chase, Butler, he said, his voice soft and clipped, especially after Cairo. It was a gentle rebuke. They had travelled to Egypt on the word of Butler's informant. No, sir. I'm certain this time. Gaian is a good man. Hmm, droned Artemis, unconvinced. Passers-by would have been amazed to hear the large Eurasian refer to the boy as Sir. This was, after all, the third millennium. But this was no ordinary relationship, and these were no ordinary tourists. They were sitting outside a curbside cafe on Dong Kai Street, watching the local teenagers circle the square on mopeds. Ngayan was late, and the pathetic patch of shade provided by the umbrella was doing little to improve Artemis's mood. But this was just his daily pessimism. Beneath the sulk was a spark of hope. Could this trip actually yield results? Would they find the book? It was too much to hope for. A waiter scurried to their table. More tisas? he asked head bobbing furiously. Artemis sighed. Spare me the theatrics and sit down. The waiter turned instinctively to Butler, who was, after all, the adult. But, sir, I am the waiter. Artemis tapped the table for attention. You're wearing handmade loafers, a silk shirt, and three gold signet rings. Your English has a tinge of Oxford about it, and your nails have the soft sheen of the recently manicured. You are not a waiter. You are our contact, Nguyen Xuan, and you've adopted this pathetic disguise to discreetly check for weaponry. Nguyen's shoulders sagged. It is true. Amazing. Hardly. A ragged apron does not a waiter make. 
Ngayan sat, pouring some mint tea into a tiny china cup. Let me fill you in on the weapon status, continued Artemis. I am unarmed, but Butler here, my, uh, Butler, has a Sig Sauer in his shoulder holster, two shrike throwing knives in his boots, a Derringer two shot up his sleeve, garrote wire in his watch and three stun grenades concealed in various pockets. Anything else, Butler? The kosh, sir. Oh, yes. A good old ball-bearing kosh stuffed down his shirt. Ngayan brought the cup trembling to his lips. Don't be alarmed, Mr. Schwan, smiled Artemis. The weapons will not be used on you. Ngayan didn't seem reassured. No, continued Artemis. Butler could kill you a hundred different ways without the use of his armoury, though I'm sure one would be quite sufficient. <laughs>